When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. The 2023 U.S. Open has officially begun, and we know it's our job here at Crack Rackets to help prepare all of you tennis fans for each and every day's play. That's why for the next 10 days, this podcast will host our preview shows. I'll come on around 4, 5 p.m. Eastern time every night, offer my thoughts on the next day's schedule of play. Now, we've played around with our preview show format so many different times. I will bring back our Ace of the Day segment later in this event to offer some picks via the DraftKings Bavada odds offered to us tennis fans. But given how crowded the calendar, the schedule, I should say, is each and every day early in a slam event, what I want to do on these shows for you listeners, at least for these first four days, is talk you through what I think are the five must-watch matches on the calendar on any given day. You're just not going to have time to watch, what, 64 matches the first two days, 32 matches days three and four. I do this for a living, and I can't watch the entirety of every match. It's an impossible ask of any tennis fan. I do want to make it easier. I do want to point you in the direction not only of the seeds I think are on upset alert, but what are the matches that are most significant to the draw? What are the matches that are just fun battles between two informed players? What are the nerd alerts? Again, we'll whittle those categories down to our top five must-watch matches in both the men's and women's singles draws. That's going to be the format of this preview podcast for the first four days now. Again, it might be subject to change later on in the tournament. Of course, if you're looking for daily recaps, Mini Break Podcast is the place for you. A shout out to Westoff, who makes all of our content possible. I will do my best to keep these podcasts under 30 minutes. Again, you want to spend less time listening to the preview than you do watching the matches. So we'll try to hedge you in, uh, point you, excuse me, in the right directions. What are the five must-watch matches of the men's, women's singles draws? You should be watching at least early in this event when there are so many different options to choose from. With that said, let's get into day two schedule. Let's start on the WTA side of things. Bottom half of the draw for those who like to track that via the tennis abstract singles forecast or your own personal draw preferences. Anyways, I divided it into four different categories. Let's blitz through those before we expand a little more on our top five must-watch matches. I have six different seeds in my upset alert category. Now, two of them are going to be in my top five must-watches. Those are Ekaterina Alexandrova, the number 22 seed, taking on 2021 U.S. Open finalist Layla Fernandez. My other must-see upset alert match Fifth seeded on Jabur, finalist at this event last season. She's taken on the talented Kami Osorio. I think Osorio is 
particularly well equipped for that matchup, which is why, again, it leaks in, uh, it sneaks into my top five. So we'll talk about those, expand upon them a little bit later. The other four matches I have in my upset alert category. Seventh-seeded Caroline Garcia taking on Wang Yafan. Now, Wang Yafan is not a household name. She's currently 114 in the rankings. Now, the 29-year-old reached a career high of 47 back in 2019, but she's had to rebuild her rankings. You look for her 2022, she plays... 29 total matches, but was out from May through the end of the year. She returns to the tour in February. She's 56 and 10 overall in the season. Six different titles, eight different finals. Most notably, she wins the 125K in Stanford a couple of weeks ago, wins an 0 0 match in qualifying, and did not drop a set on her way to the main draw. I'd be lying if I had the tactics on how she's going to defeat Caroline Garcia, but look, it's been an up and down year for the current world number seven. And, you know, I got to see the 28-year-old play last week in Cleveland. Everything's, you know what you're going to get. Big first serves, big first strikes. She's going to try and take the return on the rise, going to try and beat you to the spot. Relentless in her aggression. Wang Yafan has the confidence, the speed to deal with that. It's just a fascinating matchup. Garcia has quarterfinal points to defend here as well. She loses this match. She's currently 10 in the live rankings, you know, but again, has the tour finals to think about as well. And right now in the points race, Caroline Garcia currently sitting at 23rd, so needs a big U.S. Open to get back in that sort of mix, try to defend those points on her resume. I, I think this matchup has to be in the upset alert category because you have a player with a ton of form. And yes, Garcia just made a quarterfinal, but... It's one you got to watch for. Alicia Parks versus Daria Kasakina. Now, Parks hasn't had the greatest run since breaking out in January, February, earlier this season. But you look for Alicia Parks, round of 32 in Montreal, comes through qualifying, gets a three-set win over Lauren Davis, pushes Bencic to a third, loses 7-6 in the third to Sasnovich and Cincy qualifying. The thing is, she has weapons. She just, again... Kasakina, who's had a solid year. Kasakina, right now, you look at the points race, she's sitting at 13th. She's currently sitting at 13 in the live rankings as well. She has been a consistent top 20 player, a bunch of quarterfinals on her resume, but she's going to give Par Alicia Parks time to tee off on the ball. And if Alicia Parks is in form, she has the weapons to play at her speed in this match. Her first serve is the biggest weapon on the court. Again, the creativity. The, the physicality, the the shot tolerance, the ability to make Parks uncomfortable. Kasakina can do all of these things. It's not a massive upset alert, but if Parks has a good day on serve, she can absolutely win that match because she has the biggest weapons on the court. I think you have to put that in the upset alert category. Potapova just, she got tough draws in North America. I will never give up on the Clara Tossin bandwagon because I think her backhand is generationally good when it's in form, and she just has serious weapons. That's a fun battle between two young, talented players. Upset alert just because I don't know Potapova's form. And then Ashlyn Kruger has weapons to make Marie Boshkova uncomfortable. Boshkova, again, hasn't had the greatest year either, under 500 overall on the season. I think Bozhkova advances because she does have sneaky pop in beating you to the spot. Kruger, though, has some serious weapons. So those are the upset alerts. Again, we'll get to Alexandrova Fernandez a little bit more in a bit. Six in that category. Alexandrova, Jabur, Garcia, Kasakina, Potapova, Bozhkova. Significant to the draw is the next category. I think Jessica Pagula is going to beat 
Camilla Georgie, she does that. The draw opens up pretty nicely. You know, again, Svitolina's been dealing with some injuries, and so she hasn't played her best since Wimbledon. I think Pagula would be a pretty heavy, pretty heavy favorite in that match. Now, uh, round of 16 battle against the Keys or Samsonova. That starts to get things interesting. But, you know, Pagula will have three matches to find her form before she gets there. Unless Georgie just has one of those days, strikes the ball brilliantly. And if she does that, then the Pagula quarter really opens up because, yeah, Von Throsova won Wimbledon, but what's the definitive hard court result? Keys has been rock solid all year long. Samsonova, finals DC, finals Canada. Things get interesting there. So if Pagula advances, she remains the favorite, but Georgie can do some funky things. That's not an upset alert. That's significant to the drugs. I think if Pagula gets through, she's going to look pretty comfortable the rest of the way. Stearns versus Tomova, just because if Potapova does lose, Garcia loses. I think the winner of that advances to the fourth round. Bolter Perry, for the same reasons, they're in that section. Tatiana Maria versus Petra Martic. They are sitting, uh, I believe, where are Tatiana Maria and Petra Martic? In that Anjabur, uh, Marie Boshkova Kruger section of the draw. So again, I. There's a world where Tatiana Maria is in the fourth round. She just, you know, again, the physicality she brings. The consistency she brings, the confidence she has. She's won, I think, 12 of her last 14 decisions. That That's a fun one to watch in terms of significance of the draw. Fun battles. NCAA number one. NCAA doubles champion Fiona Crawley uh, taking on Anastasia Pavlachenkova. I mean, you know we're locked into that. And then Venus has to be in that category because anytime Venus plays, it's a treat. She's taking on Hreet Minen. Nerd alert. Aronxerous has won a lot of matches They've just been at the ITF level. She takes on Madison Keys round one. If Keys gets rolling, she's always a tough out. And then you want a contrast of styles. Linda Noskova, the 18-year-old. You look at the players ranked under uh, under 22 years old, so 21 or younger. She's the fourth highest ranked player, youngest of that group, only 18-year-old in the top 50. You know, it's Goff, Chinwen, Kostyuk, then Noskova, Wang Shinyu, the other 21-year-old inside the top 50 of the rankings right now. She has serious weapons. She's going to get to use them against Madison Bringle, who is always a grind. That's a fun match in my nerd alert category. That's the rapid fire, more broad look at what's on the calendar tomorrow. Again, 32 round one women's singles matches. My top five must watch. Number five is Potapova taking on Clara Tossin. Again, these are two players. Clara Tossin at, at the start of 2021 and you know throughout the course of the year when she beat Conteve, of course, at the Australian Open. She felt like the next big thing. And, I mean, obviously, she's had a ton of injuries to slow her down subsequently since she comes into this, you know, round of 16 Warsaw, first round loss to Wang Shiyu in Prague. Lucky loser beats Krachikova in straight sets, then unfortunately has to retire with uh, illness against Fernandez. She doesn't come in with the best form. You look for Potapova. She lost to Bencic, Muhova, Vondrusova in her three losses in the North American hardcore stretch, a three-set win over Celine Neff. She doesn't come in in the best form either, but the massive results in Indian Wells, in Miami, the physicality she brings, the ability to get Tossin stretched, and again, the movement right now is where Tossin needs to continue to improve so that, because when she has time, can absolutely strike the ball brilliantly. It's two young, talented players that I think will be a part of our lives for the next decade, and they're playing in the first round. So that's why they sneak into number five, Potapova, 66.1% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. I expect her to advance as well. 
Parks versus Kasekina is number four on my list. Again, Daria Kasekina hasn't been quite as good as last year, but she's been pretty darn close. 29 and 20 overall on the year. Quarterfinal for her in Montreal. Quarterfinal in Palermo on the clay. Finals in Eastbourne. Round of 16, Roland Garros. Semifinals, Charleston. Round of 16, Roman Madrid. She's been a top 20 player, which is really all I think you can ask for given her lack of a definitive weapon other than her speed. You know, again, for Alicia Parks, so good to start the season, wins that title in Lyon, you know, wins the 125K to end the year, was so good on the hard courts, obviously struggled on the clay, wins around at Wimbledon, starts to find her footing a little bit in Montreal, but she just has serious weapons. She's top 15, uh, top 25, excuse me, in hold percentage amongst top 50 players. And I just, I love the contrast of styles there. I expect Kasekina to get through. She's a 74.1% favorite, but again, it's 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 just a sneaky fun matchup. So it sneaks into number four on my list. Number three is Pagula Georgie. If it's a good day for Georgie, she could give Pagula troubles, but I think Pagula sends a message in this match. I mean, Jessica Pagula only makes quarterfinals or further at events. And, you know, again, you look by win percentage right now, Jessica Pagula top five by win percentage. She's top five in the points race. She's top five in the ranking. She is one of the five best players in the world, unequivocally. I just don't think Georgie has shown anything significant enough of late. And I think Pagula reminds that I think this is a two and two Pagula and she sends a message. I'm here to win uh, this week. My top two on the women's side, Anjabur versus Camilla Georgie. Now, again, you look for Jabur. I thought she played pretty well in Cincinnati, knocked out five and three by Sabalenka, but that was a competitive match. Now she didn't play in Canada. You look for Kami Osorio, hasn't had a particularly notable North American hardcore stretch. Lost to Paulini and Cincy Qualies, but, you know, again, okay. Paulini made the quarterfinals there. Now, she did lose first round last week in Chicago to Storm Sanders. I just like this matchup tactically because Jabur wants to throw slice at you. Jabur wants to get you stretched in the outer thirds. And to some extent, that's what Kami Osorio wants to do as well. She loves to play that backhand slice, loves to mix in the drop shots, loves to slap one down the line when you slow things down unexpectedly. I think she can have some success on the return of serve. Now, Jabur is going to feast on that Kami Osorio second serve. And again, I think Jabur gets through, but... I think Osorio is a lesser version of Jabur from a tactical standpoint. Uh, a, le- a slightly lesser uh, is slightly less able to execute, but similar in her tactical approach as Jabur. Excuse me. It will be a good test for Jabur because Osorio will be in the fight physically, even if her form hasn't shown as much of late. And you know, again, if Jabur gets through that. I think there's a world where Kruger beats Bozhkova. Facing the weapons, though, of, of potential Naskova at round number two, that'd be a real test for Jabur. And then, you know, again, Maria maybe even the better version of Kami Osorio potentially in round three, because I really do think Tatiana Maria is the dark horse to watch in this section and gets to round three. That would be a very fun slice-heavy match between her and Jabur. I'm always fascinated by Anjabur because she is such a contrast. It is so different than that power, relentless tennis. She just it's, it's the dose of creativity you need in every match. It'll be interesting to see how Osorio matches that. That's my number two must-watch of the day. Again, Potapova toss in five, Kasekina Parks four, Pagula Georgi three, Jabur Osorio two, 
Alexandrova Fernandez has to be one. And I've talked about them so much on the mini break podcast of late. I'll keep this brief. Alexandrova, three set loss in the Cleveland final. Fernandez was breathtaking in wins over Noskova. Her first set over Tossin goes up to love on Tatiana Maria before losing 12 of the next uh, 15 games. But she's made a final in New York. She's striking the ball well. I thought she was moving extraordinarily well. Everything was on her terms against those two power players in Tossin and Naskova in the first two rounds in Cleveland. You wonder if there's any fatigue on the legs of Alexandrova following what was a really physical run, a couple of three-set matches under the sun for Alexandrova in Cleveland. You know, again, she keeps that ball so low and hits that ball with such pace it will be difficult for Fernandez, particularly on that forehand wing, to handle that pace. Alexandrova's a top 10 server on the WTA Tour this season by hold percentage. I think she will tee off in that serve plus one game, attacking the Layla Fernandez forehand. But I think that match goes three sets. And that's my number one must-watch match of the day. Alexandrova versus Fernandez. Alexandrova, 58.6% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. I'll go Fernandez in three. That's my upset of the day. And again, my top five, Potapova Tossin, Kasakina Parks, Pagula Jorzi, Jabur Osorio, and Alexandrova Fernandez. That's my look at the WTA singles draw. On the ATP side of things, again, want to blitz you through the categories before we break down the top five. I have seven seeds on upset alert. And that gets to the broader uncertainty I have entering this men's draw. Ugo Embarras played well of late. There's no doubt about that. You look at just the results he put together in this North American hardcore stretch, particularly, you know, again, I thought he did well to battle uh, in Atlanta in particular. I know it wasn't a you know definitive breakthrough title run for him, but I thought he did well to make the semifinals there, beating Demon Hour, quarterfinals Washington, three-set loss to Fritz in Canada, straight set but one in six to Tommy and Cincy. That's a good North American hardcore stretch for a guy who has reconsolidated his spot in in the ATP top 40. The only reason he's on this list is because he faces Matteo Berrettini. And Berrettini has not been as good as Umber during this North American hardcourt stretch. First round, uh, excuse me, four and three lost to Sinner, three set loss to Felix. Those are his two North American hardcourt. I beat Beret in straight sets, but that's it. But three out of five, his serve, the serve plus one forehand, his ability to just be competitive late in matches to do what he wants to do well, he has to be put on this list because if he's healthy, we've seen him make the semifinals of this event. Now, again, Umber lefty into that Berrettini backhand on the serve. That's a particularly bad matchup for Berrettini. It's why I think Umber advances, but has to be number one on this list. I went in there, uh, went in depth there because to be honest, it didn't make my top five. I think there are some other fun matches Other seeds on upset alert, I know Daniel Evans won Washington, D.C., but I think Daniel Galan can beat him. That heavy topspin forehand into the one-handed backhand. Galan will be willing to be patient. I think that's a five-set match. The battle of the Daniels always fun. Galan hasn't done anything particularly notable. Quarterfinals, Kitz Buell. Kokonakis, three-set loss since he qualifying. Three-set loss to the champion, Baez and Winston-Salem. He's playing decent, like 71 in the world. I think that's a five-set match. Shevchenko started the year hot. He's kind of cooled off since. You look for Alexander Shevchenko, qualified in Cincy, but lost in three to Sanego, lost in three to Marc-Andre Hussler, round of 16, lost to Evans in D.C. 
That's actually pretty solid overall. You compare that with Cam Norrie, who lost to Kovacevic in three in Los Cabos, lost to Demon in straights in Canada, Mofi in three in Cincy. I think by virtue of those results, he has to be on this list. Shevchenko has technically had the better North American hardcourt summer. He, you know, again, that's upset number, or that's the third match I would put on this list. Uh, let's see. The other two are in my top five. Those are Greek Spur versus Arthur Fee, Andre Rublev versus Emil Rusevori. So we'll get back to those a little bit later. Again, seven. Oh, and then Nicolas Yari versus Luka Van Asha. That's just a fun contrast of style. I think Yari's serve plus one forehand are the biggest weapons on the court. Obviously, I think it wins out. But keep an eye on the French teenager, Van Asha. He just scraps. The backhand is nice. And then when he has time on the forehand, he can absolutely snap it through a court. So I'm looking forward to that one. Seven seeds on upset alert. Umber, Evans, Nori, Chorich versus Baez. Baez beat him last week, so has to be on the list. Yari versus Van Asha. Greek Spore Fee. Rublev Rusevori. Significant to the draw. Got three on this list. Alcaraz versus Kopfer. I've talked a lot about Dom Kopfer. I mentioned this in my draw preview, which you can go find on the Mini Break podcast feed. Kopfer's had a really good summer. Quarters Atlanta, semis Los Cabos, round of 16, three-set loss to Lechechka last week in Winston-Salem, has built himself back into the top 100. He's won 70% of his matches this year, a lot of that at the challenger level. Lefty, so he can play with heavy topspin into that Alcaraz backhand. He's confident. He can swing freely. If Alcaraz blitzes him in straights, it's an unequivocal 1A, 1B. If Alcaraz messes around, and he's played three sets in his, what, seven of his last eight matches— you know, again, maybe you start to worry given just how many names there are in this quarter of the draw for Carlos Alcaraz. So I think that's significant to the draw. It's a, it's a good opening test for Alcaraz. I expect him to get through it, but I'm excited to see Cope for play. Thompson versus Vondesen, Schkolp, again, they face the winner of Galan Evans. I think that goes five, so they'll have a real opportunity to get to a third round. How healthy is Karen Hatchinoff? We'll find out as he faces the relentless physicality of Michael Moe, who has incorporated more serve and volley. Continues to retool his forehand, but he ain't ever going to quit on a point. So again, we'll see just how fit Karen Hatchinov is. Those are my three significant to the draw because if Hatchinov loses, you know, again, Hercots, how much faith do you have in him? He had a really good North American hardcourt stretch. The draw would really open there. Maybe an Isner retirement tour run. Draper gets hot. Obviously, Andre Rublev doesn't come in with a ton of confidence. I already mentioned Umber Berrettini. That bottom half of that Medvedev quarter could really open up if Hatchinov gets eliminated or Rublev gets eliminated early. So I think Hatchinov Mo is significant to the draw. Let's see just how healthy the Russian is. Fun battles on the men's side. Zverev versus Vukic. Vukic made his first final in Atlanta. You know, Zverev semis in Cincy. He's getting healthy. He's top 25 again in hold and break percentage playing with house money in terms of no points to defend right now. He's currently, I believe, ninth in the points race, but 15 points he trails Fritz by Fritz. And Fritz, by the way, already won his first-round match, so Zverev would surpass him with a victory. That race very much in mind. Vukic has a big serve, big forehand. He'll put some pressure on Zverev. That'll be a fun one to watch. I just think backhand to backhand, Zverev overwhelms him. Then you got to go with the vets on the fun to watch list. Murray versus Mute, Wawrinka versus Nishioka. That one's particularly fun. It's in my top five. Those are my fun alert. Nerd alert, Sinner versus Hanfman. You guys know my fondness for the former USC All-American Hanfman. Sinner won Toronto. 
he could absolutely beat Alcaraz. He had match points on him last year. We'll see how informed he is coming off of that first-round exit in Cincinnati, which, again, means nothing to me because that was a schedule loss. Mickelson, teenage American, big serve, big forehand, great backhand, great feel moving forward. He will face a double dose of physicality against the lefty Ramos Vinolas. Hercots versus Hootsler. Let's see how informed Hercots is. And then you'd like contrast. How about Rinder Kanesh versus Schwartzman? That's a fun one. But all that said, top five must-watch matches. Wawrinka, Nishioka. Look, Stan had a pretty good North American hardcore stretch. You look at what he was able to accomplish. Victories uh, over, what, Tiafo Nakashima in Cincy before the loss to Purcell. He won the t- uh, made the final in Umag. I know that was on clay, but that was post-Wimbledon. Nishioka loses first round Vukic, first round Rusevori, first round Musetti in Atlanta, Washington, Canada, respectively. Second round loss to Zverev in Cincy. Doesn't come in with the best form, but the lefty can get Stan stretched into the corners. Meanwhile, will Stan be able to hit through all of that? He'll certainly have some opportunities to tee off on a return of serve. That one has five sets written all over it. Stan in five will have New York Electric. I already went into Hatchinov Mo. That's four. Already went to Alcaraz Kofor. That's three. Look, Emil Rusev already beat Andre Rublev a couple of weeks ago in Canada. Why can't he do it again? And you guys know my thoughts on Emil Rusev who, you know, again, what? Or not in Canada. He beat him in Cincy. Excuse me. Seven, six, and third. I mean, his best results have come on hard courts in his career. He ha- he just beat Rublev. You've seen the the ability. You play. You know again. He has that ability to turn into a forehand and a point on his turn. That ability to drive through a backhand to open up whatever he wants to do with his next shot. And Andre Rublev has struggled during this North American hardcore stretch. Losses to Mackey Rusevori hasn't played since. Now again, has been pretty consistent. Fourth rounds, quarterfinals, holding seed at the majors of late. So you'd lean in his direction. It's a battle of power. And again, Rusevori certainly has some weapons to throw Rublev off center, not allow him to tee off with his forehand from any position on the court. That's number two on my list because we just saw Rusevori beat Rublev. And it's really hard to beat a player twice in a month. That's why you lean Rublev, but... I'm locked in on that. And then how about Greekspor versus Fee? If you haven't watched 18-year-old Arthur Fee, he wins this match. He becomes one of the storylines of week number one because he's got a very winnable next match against Kubler or Arnaldi. Obviously, Arthur Fee earlier this year beats Rude on clay to make the semis in Hamburg, wins the title on clay in Lyon in May. You know, what was the other big result? I think it was semi... What did he do indoors in France early in the season, right? I thought he did something. Oh, yeah, semifinals Marseille, semifinal Montpellier, wins over Sinner there, RBA on that surface. He has real weapons. You know, he's top 25 right now in break percentage as well. Moves fluidly, comfortable moving forward. I really like, excuse me, I keep saying 18-year-old, now 19-year-old's game, turned 19 over the summer, but you look right now in the next-gen race, Arthur Fee fourth, and he trails the big three of Alcaraz, Runa, Musetti, all top 30 players. Maybe Musetti plays the next-gen finals, but probably not, given he's played it before. Obviously, Runa, Alcaraz, unlikely to play it. Fee could be your top seed uh, at those next-gen finals. And then Shelton, Van Asha, Cazo, three Frenchmen at the next-gen finals. Again, Said it all year long. It's the first time French men's tennis fans have had something to really be excited about. And, you know, Arthur Fee has won a title this year 
at the tour level. He's made a semifinal out of 500. Now, he hasn't had the signature slam result losses to Davidovich Fokina at both Wimbledon and Roland Garros first rounds, but has an opportunity against a talent Greek Spore who has been really good this year. Greek Spore currently sitting at a career high of 24 overall in the rankings. He's 28 and 16 this year. Title in India to start the season. Title in the Netherlands on the grass courts. Final in DC where he beats Fritz, beats Wolf, beats Monfi. No, he lost first round in Cincy in Canada back to back, but it was to Zverev, Tiafo, and tight matches respectively. This is a blockbuster first-round match. A lot of shot-making. And again, Arthur Fee wins this match. It'll be easy for everyone to get behind him from a narrative perspective. Greg Spore's just been sneaky solid. The 27-year-old has been a top 30 player this year. And again, could pose a, a really, uh, you know, you look at his section. He's been better than Nori this season. He's been the best player in his little 32nd of the draw and could absolutely has an opportunity to make the fourth round here at this U.S. Open. So that's my number one match. My top five on the men's side, Wawrinka Nishioka five, Hachinov Mo four, Alcaraz Cope for three, Rublev Rusevori two. Greek Explorer Arthur Fee won. Now, again, I will be recapping every day over on the Mini Break podcast feed. So if you want to hear how this all plays out, go like, rate, subscribe, review, share that podcast with your friends. Of course, a shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. Let us know, by the way, if you like this format of the preview podcast. I know I talked awfully fast, but... 64 singles matches to preview. We got a lot of content to break down here on this show. Hopefully this helps bring a little bit better sense of all of the day two action. And I suppose I'll list this one last time for all of you who are willing to stick with us here to the end. My top five matches of the day on the women's side. Number five, Potapova Tossin. Four, Kasakina Parks. Three, Pagula Georgie. Two, Jabur Osorio. One, Alexandrova Fernandez. On the men's side, five, Wawrinka Nishioka, four, Hachinov Mo, three, Alcaraz Kofor, two, Ruplev Rusevori, one, Greek Spur uh, versus Arthur Fee. With all of that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and for all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>